to Freedom Fridays. In this episode of Freedom Fridays, we're continuing our discussion about the Holy Spirit, and this is part two, discussing the ministries of the Holy Spirit. And when we talk about ministries of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the, the role of the Holy Spirit. What does he do uh, in the lives of, uh, or in creation we talked about? What does he do in the lives of people is where we're getting to today. And we're beginning with salvation. The Holy Spirit is deeply involved in the salvation of the lost. Um, as we think about conviction and as we think about um, people coming to an understanding of their sin, an understanding of their need for salvation, and um, an understanding of Christ and an understanding of his atonement and his work on the cross for us and uh, all of that and then applying it to our hearts to the point of conversion um, that we come to Christ and we give up our lives for his. The Holy Spirit is deeply involved in that process. Um, first of all, the Holy Spirit convicts sinners. Uh, convicting involves setting apart sinners unto salvation through belief and acceptance of the truth of the gospel. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. So God chose us for salvation through the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. So through the process of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, um, it's through that belief and through the, um, the truth of the gospel, through the working of the Holy Spirit that we understand. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. So there you see the whole Trinity involved in salvation. You see um, that we are chosen, verse 1, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, at the beginning of verse 2, and that the Holy Spirit then works through that sanctifying process. And that sanctifying process is just setting us apart from sin and to God so that we become less like the world, less like our sinful nature, and more like God, more like Christ. And then we see to obey Christ and be sprinkled with his blood, um, his blood of the atonement. So we, we see the, the work of the whole Trinity in this, but he is convicting um, through the, um, the foreknowledge and the choosing of the Father. Convicting also involves proving undeniably that we are totally depraved. And when we say totally depraved, it means that we cannot save ourselves. There is absolutely nothing in and of ourselves that we can do 
to earn salvation. Uh, John chapter 14, excuse me, verse chapter 16, verses 7 through 11. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, this is Jesus speaking, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, and concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me, and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. This passage actually gives a lot of the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation. And we see he uh, is here for, to con, uh, convict us concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin in that we have sin, and that we are sinners, and that we are completely incapable of changing that. Um, because we do not believe in him to begin with. Concerning righteousness, not ours, his. Concerning that he is righteous and that we are not, because we've already talked about that we're sinners. He is righteous and we need that righteousness. And then concerning judgment, because if you do not accept his righteousness, you do not accept his payment on the cross, then there is only judgment reserved for you. And so there's your threefold um, working of the Holy Spirit in salvation as we understand we are totally depraved. He convicts sinners because sinners cannot find their own way to God. There is no one who has ever been out there just searching their way to God without first having the Holy Spirit work in their heart. And I know that's a very strong statement, and I've got scripture to back it up. Psalm 14, verses 2 and 3, The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. And then he answers his question in verse 3, They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. There's no way to get around what he's talking about there. There are none of us that in and of ourselves seek after God. Let's go to Romans chapter 3. Here he's quoting the Psalms. And uh, verse 10, he says, As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. And he continues on quoting the rest of that psalm. And he's saying, hey, there isn't a single one that in and of themselves they seek after God. It's only through the working of the Holy Spirit. Um Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8 and verse 7, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And so this, this verse not only tells us that we don't 
seek after God, but it's clear that not only do we not seek after God, we cannot without having the Holy Spirit working in our heart, we can't seek after God. We are totally incapable of doing that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. So the things of God, the gospel, is not something that the natural man can even understand because they are spiritually appraised. Therefore, it requires the ministry of the Holy Spirit for someone to understand the gospel. The Holy Spirit is involved in the work of regeneration. This is the process. Regeneration is a work of all three of the Trinity, but this is a process of going from someone who is not a believer to being a believer. And the Holy Spirit is involved in that process. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So there we see the work of the Father. We see the work of the Son in this as well. Um, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is, is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have come, new things have come. And so there we see the work of Christ in, in the regeneration of of a, a believer. And now in Titus chapter 3 in verse 5, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. And there we see the work of not only the Father, but we see the work of the Holy Spirit in that regeneration uh, when we become alive in Christ. Well, let's take a look at not just the Holy Spirit's work in salvation, but the Holy Spirit's work in the life of the believer. So, first of all, the Holy Spirit baptizes the believer, placing him into the body of Christ. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now we're getting into some of the things that, that people misunderstand. And next week we're going to talk about the things you're probably waiting for, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But these things that we're going to talk about right now are foundational to that. So don't tune out yet. The Holy Spirit baptizes the believer. So this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. He says He reiterates this in Ephesians chapter 4 as well. There is, this is a one-time event which takes place at the time of salvation. There is absolutely no indication that this baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that happens on a regular basis because we are baptized into one body. 
We are baptized into one body. You don't become the part of the body of Christ again and again and again and again. It's a one-time event. And then we have the Holy Spirit indwells the believer. John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. And that's a, an indication of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That is not the only place where we see the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And so when we come to Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in in us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 and 20. Or do you not know that the that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who whom you have from God and that you are not your own for you have been bought with a price therefore glorify God in your body. We are the dwelling place or temple of the Holy Spirit because he is in us. This is a continuous occurrence which starts at salvation. So we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is a one-time event. Then we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which is a continuous event, starts with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then we have that the Holy Spirit is the seal of the believer. Ephesians chapter 1 in verse 13, in him you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. By the way, this is a wonderful verse to show the um, security of our salvation, that you cannot lose it. Because... First of all, you did nothing to gain it. The Holy Spirit brought you to salvation. Second of all, the Holy Spirit becomes a seal on you, uh, a, a promise, it says, the Holy Spirit of promise that you will make it until the end. And let's continue to, to uh, take a look at another verse that says some very similar things. Um, let's go to... Sorry, I lost my place there. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed. And it doesn't stop there. He tells us why and, and for what purpose we are sealed. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What is the day of redemption? The day is that you are completely redeemed. The day that you arrive in glory. That you a day that you arrive in the presence of Christ. The day that you arrive in heaven. However you want to say it. That is the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So you are sealed, sured, um, guaranteed for the day of redemption, that you will be delivered at the day of redemption. Next, the Holy Spirit fills the believer. 
the Holy Spirit fills the believer, thereby controlling him at times as a direct result of the believer's current relationship with God. Not sonship, but the current relationship with God. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. We see that filling happen, happening in the Old Testament from time to time as well. We talk about David was filled with the Spirit, and then he did this. Or Samson was filled with the Spirit, and he took on the Philistines. Um, so the Holy Spirit's filling is a time, uh, a sometime event, a, a, an every now and then, uh, controlling the believer, giving the believer... Um, gifts that they can use uh, for that specific instance and purpose. And sometimes those gifts are physical and such. So, and sometimes they're emotional, sometimes they're mental. Um, but the Holy Spirit fills the believer from time to time. And then in Galatians chapter 5, the Holy Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit in the yielded Christian. As we yield to Christ, he produces the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit, or the results of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And so the Holy Spirit helps to produce those things in your life as you are a believer in Christ. And how does he do that? But he convicts you of sin again, and he helps you to understand that you need to follow God's righteousness, or there is a judgment. And he does this time and again, and he brings us back. He empowers us to, to follow Christ. He empowers us to live the right life, and then he he brings into our lives love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And those things are produced in our lives through the working of the Holy Spirit. Next week, we are going to continue on with the Holy Spirit giving gifts to the believer. And we're going to discuss the gifts of the Spirit. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week on Freedom Fridays. Mm -hmm.